Hey, there you are. Welcome back to the Long Distance Love Bombs podcast. I am your host, Dr. Jeremy Goldberg, and today's guest is David Gandelman. This dude is a spiritual teacher. He hosts the Energy Matters podcast and the Grounded Sleep podcast. If you got insomnia, check that out. This dude teaches meditation at Cornell University and the Den Meditation Studio in L.A., His work is featured on Insight Timer. It's been streamed over a million times. And essentially, he connects energetic experience, ancient wisdom, and humor to try to create a safe atmosphere for people who want to learn how to meditate and also people that want to develop their natural intuitive abilities. This conversation is so good. He is very wise, so calm, and we talk about all kinds of good stuff in here, how to take life a little bit with a little bit less with a little a little bit how to be a little bit less serious when it comes to life don't mind my stuttering my brain's a little bit melted from all the wisdom he just poured into my ear bones and uh talk about meditation awareness how to live better it's just good it's it's so good and i know i say that every time but legit this one is powerful lots of pragmatic proactive tools and ideas for you to implement immediately if you want to start making profound shifts in the way that you experience your world. So enjoy. Check him out on Instagram. Check out his website. Download his voice onto Insight Timer. You'll be glad you did. And without further ado, David Gandelman. But I thought a good place that might be a suitable jumping off point, I was having a look through your website, and there was this line about how do we stop being so serious all the time? Mm-hmm. I yeah. thought like that potentially yeah. could be a topic that is a metaphorical can of worms, so to speak, to introduce yeah. mindfulness and all of it. Yeah, if you're if you're interested in starting there, or if there's something that's, sure. that you find passionate or inspiring at the moment, I'm happy to dive in there. I think that's a great place to start. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, David Gandelman, welcome to the podcast. It is a pleasure to be here, Jeremy. How so? Actually, let me back up a moment. Moment uh, for those who do not know you or have not heard of you, like what's your deal? Who are you? I've been asking that question every morning when I meditate, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I do a few different things. I teach meditation. I do intuitive trainings for people who are interested in opening up the their spiritual abilities. I also teach entrepreneurship to people who work in wellness. I have two podcasts and I, I travel, I do retreats and I do a lot of one-on-one, not so much anymore, but I still do some one-on-one counseling with people. Mm. Um, yeah. So, uh, and then I work with a few meditation apps like insight timer and simple habit. And I teach meditation on those platforms. Mm. Would you say that you're fundamentally a meditation person or like is there a box that you fit into or you just kind of do a bunch of stuff yeah i don't fit in too well into any box but i would say uh if i could just say one thing i guess i would say spiritual teacher Mm. yeah awesome brother and so like one podcast just was not enough you had to start another one so the, the the first one energy matters is like this interview based and the second one is called grounded sleep and that's uh just sleep meditations because so many so many of my students and clients are just 
always complaining about sleep. And so I, I was like, well, let me find a good sleep podcast for them. And I went on iTunes and I was like, man, I can't find anything that I, I really like. So I just decided to, to make one. That's awesome. Yeah. And so those like each episode would be a guided meditation, like a yoga nidra or something? Yeah, so I start with some story, uh, get them into bed. Maybe I'll tell a few stories, crack a few jokes, and then slowly kind of guide them. Some nights it's about healing. Some nights it's about yoga nidra. Some nights it's about uh, just getting pure rest. Some nights it might be about letting go of anxiety. So each episode will have a different focus. So you just are a professional bedtime storyteller i've had many people message me and say i'm i'm sleeping with you tonight <laughs> okay i don't know if we should put it that way but all right love it whatever man. works and so okay so let's dive into why we're so serious all the time and how we can stop being so serious all the time and then let's just kind of see where that rabbit hole takes us yeah so you know so i I was living in the Himalayas when I was younger, mid-20s. I uh, climbed up to this monastery. I think we were, we were out in the mountains for 30 days. We were hiking, stopping, volunteering. And we, we, we ended up, me and a buddy of mine ended up at this incredible monastery, like the ones you dream about where it takes days to hike to that, that's literally hanging off the edge of a cliff thousands of feet high. That's authentic. And, uh, and so we got there and the monks brought us into some back room and sat us on the floor in a circle. And I was like, oh, we're going to meditate. This will be cool. And I, I pulled out, they saw I had some dried mango. I pulled it out and I gave everyone some. And all of a sudden the monks started hitting each other with it and rolling on the floor laughing. And I was like, whoa, this is not what I expected. I thought they were going to be super serious, just like, uh, 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 you know, and here they are just like behaving like children. And uh, it really, at that moment, it really taught me something like, wow, even these monks sitting at the peak of the Himalayas meditating all day can have a good time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm, I naturally lean towards comedies like my second love of life other than meditation. And, and so I, I really enjoy humor. And so I, when I teach, I often bring it into what I'm working on with my clients and in my, into my courses. Because what I found is, the, almost every single time someone comes to me, they say, David, I'm suffering from this. I, th this that's my issue. That person did it to me. This is why I'm miserable. And then you could feel the heaviness and the seriousness. It's like a blanket of energy that just like you just wear in winter. And, you know, it's like all those old photos of people back in the 1800s, like nobody would smile. That's what it would feel like to me every time someone would come tell me they're their problems and they were just taking themselves so seriously and our issues are serious right well we do have serious issues someone might have a terminal illness or have just lost somebody or heartbreak or financial issues so i'm not saying that the issues don't have meaning and they're not serious but the way we approach them can shift and when we almost like give it some space and just ease up the tension and laugh at how serious we take life sometimes there's something that there, there's almost like an energetic room that gets created for people to let go of what they've been holding on so tightly and it's like they they come to me jeremy and they have their issue like 
in their hand. They're like holding a tight fist and they're like, help me let it go. I just can't let this effing thing go, David. And I'm like, well, let's pry your little fingers off of this a little. They're like, no, I can't loosen my grip to let this go. And that's what they're saying. I can't loosen my grip to let this go. Mm-hmm. And so with a little humor, we start to pry their fingers off a little bit at a time until they can start to shift their energy. Yeah. And so why do you think we hold on so tightly? I think it's natural to contract when we're in pain. It's just, a, you know, the natural survival mechanism of the body is one thing. Another is it's programmed through us in society that we should take things very seriously that that every day we should be really focused and serious about what we're creating and what we want what we need and the more serious we are the more professional we are mm. and then that kind of that gives us some kind of uh specialness you know yeah. and uh i personally just have just decided i don't enjoy being around that energy that much and so since i work for myself and get to teach whatever i want then let's have a good time while we're doing it i don't want to cry my way to enlightenment you know (laughs) that's a good line (laughs) yeah i'm the same man i i remember years ago when i first started and i was using a lot of um, profanity and just speaking freely and authentically and having pushback from certain individuals and then questioning whether or not I should do it this way or that way and whatnot. And, and just as you described, I found it's just so much easier to have fun, to smile, to like do the work, but also be silly at the same time. So an example might be, wow, I, I feel like the biggest imposter in the room right now. Like my imposter syndrome is so strong. That's right. hilarious. Like what a cute story I'm telling myself. Yeah. There's this video. It's Alan Watts, the meditation teacher, Alan Watts's voice with South, the creators of South Park. Uh, <laughs> they, they, made, they made cartoons to put on top of it. And there's a whole bunch of videos. You can find them on YouTube. Just type in South Park, Alan Watts. Mm. And one of them, he's talking about how it's like we got it all wrong. We thought we were supposed to go to this school and then that school and get this job and save and then get this retirement and, and we make it to the top and we realize it was all just empty. You know, he goes, maybe that's not the way it goes. Maybe the way it goes is it's more of like a song. We're supposed to dance through life and, and celebrate it. And I think we're very deeply programmed that there's like some big accomplishment that we have to find and reach and achieve. And if we don't, then we're failures. And in that paradigm, everything gets really serious. If that's the truth of the paradigm, then Alan Watts would say, it's like, then why not just play the last note of the, of the song? <laughs> just like, bang. <laughs> yeah. Why go through everything if you're only wanting the end? And and so if, if we get so serious about, I need, I've worked with a lot of uh, business executives and people who are successful in their various fields. And often they get really lost in the seriousness of their accomplishments and how they have to have the next thing. And they're just, they get crazy about it. And my job is to be like, Hey buddy, just relax. All is well. What's the worst thing that could happen? You fail. Nobody likes you. Okay. I'll give you a hug. all right let's have a hot cocoa and we'll start over if you could do it once you could do it again i think it's a really powerful exercise though to ask yourself what's the worst thing that could happen 
Like, and, exactly. and I find like with clients, when we really get intimate with what the story of failure means to us and really stop and look it in the face, right? It's like that Joseph Campbell line, the cave you feared to enter holds the treasure you seek, right? For sure. Like, what's the worst thing? And we get it defined and it's like, that's it. Then suddenly there's this empowering freedom that comes with simply facing that, right? And it's like, oh, it's not actually that bad, usually. And, yeah, and usually the worst thing has already happened. Mm. The, like we've gone through a lot of dark times in our lives and pain, and and those past experiences are usually what are holding people back from creating a better future, and they don't, often don't even realize it. So, like a past heartbreak or a career path didn't work out or some kind of abuse and then we start seeing the world through those memories and those filters and no matter how much we want to shake them and no matter how many affirmations we say no matter how many teachers we sit with it's like we still carry this energetic baggage and so a lot of the work that I do with my students is learning how to see that energy and how to really work it out so that it's not unconsciously pushing you into certain decisions and having you live in a certain en negative energy that doesn't really serve you or make you happy. Mm -hmm. And that's easier said than done. It tends to take a lot of work. Um, but if you don't free yourself from some of those energies from the past, then it doesn't really matter what you create. You'll just kind of recreate the same type of energy again. So maybe you're like, I want a new partner. The old one, I'm trading in the old one. <laughs> I didn't like the experience I had, and and they bring a similar set of issues, right, or mm. career, whatever it happens to be. Do you have a certain protocol or framework that you use to help people identify when they're carrying emotional baggage? Well, part of the process, if we're working one on one, is I mean, they're speak when they just when they speak out loud, we can hear it, right? Mm. Um, but I have a, I guess I would, I would say I have a strategy and a process for when we're yes, when we're working on it, and I, and yes, helping them recognize it. So I use a lot of different meditation tools, but I guess my primary strategy would be I would have somebody close their eyes and then tell me whatever it is that they experience, almost like the weather like what is the weather in your in your space right now with your eyes closed is it stormy is there a freaking tornado is it sunny mm -hmm. usually if they're sitting with me there's <laughs> something that's coming up and so we start to identify all right there's this ominous cloud it's been hanging over me for six years cool and then i have them <laughs> look into it and usually when they look deep inside of a cloud they'll find an image or two that's that is almost like a core belief that they don't know they believe, but on a very deep level, they do like somebody will always break my heart or I'll never be good enough. And it, it's, it creates these energetic and emotional storms inside of them. And so what we do is we start pulling those images out and really looking at them, seeing what kind of energetic charge they have to them and starting to heal them and release them so that they don't unconsciously really affect our beliefs or behavior and even manifest for us. Mm -hmm. Usually we'll create out of the strongest energy, not out of the one we want to create out of. Mm. And so then it sounds a little bit like you're describing a, a practice in heightening your awareness of 
what's going on below the surface? What are the sort of subconscious stories that you're telling yourself? Is that for sure? Yeah. And on a very energetic level. So what I've found is most people tend to be way too intellectual and they're really, people are really good at weaving an incredible story. They'll tell me, they'll give me this tapestry of BS of why, because their mom didn't love them, that now this thing in their relationship space is broken, but it's all in their heads. And the way I explain it is a teacher of mine I've heard say, and I I really love this. It's almost like trying to wipe something off your face in the mirror. And so they're saying (laughs) all the right words. They have the story, they know the language, they get it and still nothing changes. And when somebody lives that much in their head, it's, it's a lot of work to get them into their body and to be able to actually process mm. emotion and energy because they're, they're too clever. And I've, I've found that happens a lot in the West. People are, tend to be very intellectual and very clever about mm. getting around actually doing the work because when we have to do the work, it's painful. And so we create all of these ways to avoid it. Mm. Now, well, even someone can even say, I sit and do the work every day. My whole life's goal is to not avoid. This is what I'm doing. And that is their avoidance. (laughs) I I could care less what people tell me. So when I'm sitting with somebody, my eyes are closed with them and we're working through it. That's when I can see what's actually going on versus what they say. And so I'm not Mm -hmm. that interested in someone telling me their story. I'm more interested in them describing the experience of their energy to me. So when somebody says like, I see an ominous cloud and it looks purple and it's just heavy, I'm like, good. What's the heaviness made of? They're like, oh, dread. Amazing. What's, the, what's underneath the dread? Let's look closer. Oh my God, there's this memory of like, my mom left me at the supermarket once and I felt alone. Where the hell did that come from? And then that's when we're making progress. If they're like, well, let me tell you this, you know, A, B, and C, and they weave me a very clear story that's when i know they're just in their heads when they're when it's vague and difficult and slow and they have to wait for the answer to arise that's when i know that they're actually doing the work with me Mm, i love that so in that sense clarity is a red flag in a way it is if your answer is too good it's too clear it's too logical and reasonable and rational your your mind has concocted that answer and that's not what's really going on Exactly. I I remember I had a client once who worked for years with a therapist on an issue. And then a few sessions in, something in them like really, really shifted. And they and they told me, wow, for all those years with my therapist, I was in my head. I never did any of the work. I was weaving my therapist stories and they were letting me. And just by almost like it's, it seems so kindergarten or so simple. Like you just want me to look at something and explain the color and the feeling. This is so, <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. yes, get out of your head. Yes, exactly. Uh, but then they start doing the actual work. Mm. And they have that moment of, I'm, am I really paying you right now for this? Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> like you charge this much for, for looking at a cloud? <laughs> So then how do you, when when you say the phrase, do the work, which I think has probably appeared on 95% of the podcasts that I've done, <laughs> yeah. uh, that buzz buzzword or buzz phrase, whatever, like how do you yes. describe or define that? 
What does that look like to you? Well, it's different for everybody because everyone's at a different stage of their growth. Uh, but generally speaking, I would say if, if you're listening to this and you're like, all right, I want to do the work. How do I do the work? Uh, working with somebody one-on-one is taking a real serious step where you're like, every week I'm going to meet with somebody. Yes, I'm going to you know, pay money that maybe I don't have too, too much of, but I'm ready to really make a commitment. Uh, or I'm going to go to a group class or I'm going to sit in meditation for an hour or two hours every day, see a therapist, all of those very tangible ways. You have to make a commitment and it has to be consistent. Um, Those tend to be really hard for people. And, And then on a more energetic level, doing the work, it really for me is processing energy and get and receiving answers. So usually someone says, um, most common thing in the world, David, I'm suffering from anxiety, right? Okay, great. So what, is, what would it mean, person A, <laughs> Susie, to, uh, to work through suffering from anxiety? Sit down and, and let's see. So she sits, she closes her eyes, she feels anxiety, it hurts her chest. She feels a nausea in her stomach. She thinks of an ex-partner right? She's spinning. 20 minutes of meditation goes by, no progress. Just like, oh, I fucking hate this. <laughs> what is this? Where is the, is this the work? Is this the work? So at that point, we have to introduce a set of tools. So for example, one tool might be like, all right, I want you to visualize a tree trunk growing out of the base of your spine. Ground yourself. Another tool might be, can, can you see the boundaries of your own space? Or is it just like, are you just so open that everyone is running their problems and energy through you and you're a sponge and so you don't even know what's yours? Uh, look into the center of your head. Look at the room in the center of your head. Is it just you sitting in there meditating? Is it quiet and light and bright and open? Or is it? are you inside of a dark closet? Or is there a hundred people up there all with their energy and expectations and judgments and so each of those almost tools i would say we we use them to start to really find out where we are energetically and then there's some deeper ones as we go go further along like i was mentioning like look for example looking at the weather looking at a cloud looking at images and pulling them out Um, and then what people don't usually realize is say you get to some gnarly gnarly ass image you're like oh serious intensity from childhood you just freeze it out in front of you for a moment that image actually can become the doorway that you walk through to your next step because it's obviously what's holding you back so we want to take what's holding us back and actually turn it into a stone that we put onto our path that we then step on and walk to our walk down our path on. So we're, our natural tendency is we want to discard the pain, but it's so, so vital. And so if we stare at a picture for a moment and go, okay, I've been hurting for this long and we're really able to transform that energy. And all of a sudden that image, it has another side to it on the back or it opens like a door. Mm-hmm. And then we actually take a step through it and we can, in our mind's eye, start to see our next step. So what does the next step look like? You sit with this image, you sweat out some anxiety, you cry, you recognize where the pain has come from. And then all of a sudden, when those storm clouds clear, you get this just super clear awareness of, you know what, 
I've been absorbing everybody's pain because I'm a healer and I've been avoiding being a healer because mm. I've been in so much pain because I've been <laughs> an unconscious or unhealthy healer. Ah, so I'm, I'm here. I'm, the, I'm on this planet to be a healthy healer mm. or, whoa, I've been so invalidated by all these images and memories that I'm not good enough that I haven't created this next next project i haven't built this business and now after clearing that pain all of a sudden i could see this incredible image of what i'm ready to create next it just almost just like lands you know mm. uh, and so there's always an energy behind the energy after we really work through it and and so we work the energy and then we get our our next step and then we have to open our eyes and actually live life it's not enough to do it in meditation, we actually have to do it physically. And this is where when I teach entrepreneurship for people who work in wellness, whether they're looking to start a podcast or, or write a book or, you know, teach a class or retreats or counseling, coaching, this is usually where most people get stuck is that they, if they're on the healing path, they're, they're kind of willing to do the healing work, but they don't have all of the physical pieces to put together. Like, I don't know how to build a website or I don't know how to find money to make this. Or, and then they just stop or they, or they go so slowly. And so that the, creating the outside is equally as important as doing the work on the inside. So half the people in the world or I'm just making up numbers, they just do the work on the outside. They like go for that money, you know, they build their business or whatever, whatever it is. And half the people, they, they do the work on the inside and they, they don't really know or get to how to do it on the outside. And so we have to really bridge that, that difficult gap and do both. You want a beautiful inner and a beautiful outer life. And I think that's the, that's the work. That's mm. the work. Yeah. And then, for people who are unsure or unclear how to prioritize like that classic question of like, I don't know where to start. Like, yeah, yeah. I, or I'm overwhelmed. I have so much to do. I have so many dreams. I don't know where to start. Right. As if there's yeah. this right answer for that question anyway, but I'm curious as to your thoughts. Sure. There's a lot I could say about that. A uh, couple things. One is find somebody in the world that you look up to anybody that you'd say wow that is i don't want to be them but there's some quality of energy in them that i'm looking to develop in myself so uh so for example if you want to be an actor and there's one specific actor or you want to be a business person and you look at like ray dalio or or warren buffett and you're like i want to be like that uh or you're like i want to be a motivational speaker and business coach, you know, you look at Brendan Bouchard or you look at Marie Forleo, you know, uh, or you want to be a great podcaster and you look at Joe Rogan. And so you, you find somebody that you're like, yeah, I, I don't love, a obviously it's not going to be a hundred percent of anybody else, but you go, you know, I love the way this person uses humor. I love the way that they run their business. I love the way that they teach. I love the way they, that they heal. Okay, so those are the, that's what I'm going for, something similar, but in my own unique way. So I think that's one piece of it. And the same could be said if somebody comes to me and says, I don't know how to build a website. I say, go find five websites that just make you super excited, that you love, that you would want to represent you. Show me your style. Just like that. The other piece is I like to mind map. I love using mind maps. I use one called XMind. Uh, it's 20 or 30 bucks maybe on Apple. And 
And I like to actually map out, okay, how much time people always say they're overwhelmed. They don't have enough time. But then when we look under the hood, usually there's more time (laughs) and they're wasting a lot of time. And so how much time in the week are you spending on working? Say Say you have three or four places in your life you make money from. Okay. How much time is each one taking and how much revenue is each one bringing in? And are you okay with that balance? And then they'll look and be like, not really. I would like to do this more and that less. Wonderful. So let's reallocate your time and energy. Let's, mm-hmm. let's find a strategy to do that. Um, and, and so we have to almost take inventory of, uh, of our lives and where we're putting our time and energy. So I like putting it into a mind map and being super clear. Usually when somebody does this, they're like, oh man, I'm dumping way too much energy into something I'm not that interested in, or it's just, it's not serving me. Or they're like, wow, you know what? 80% of my revenue is coming from this place where I'm only putting in 20% of my time. And I don't want it to be all of my time, but I'll add 10% add the revenue short term and so I could focus on something else here and and invest. And so there's just when you map something out, answers start to arise. So don't leave it as some vague idea in your head that I'm overwhelmed. I don't know where to start. And then you get some random inspiration some morning and then you tell all your friends this is what you're doing. And then you go into that for two weeks and then you change your mind. (laughs) It's uh, much better to be really strategic about it and think it through. And one of the things that really helped me when I was starting my first business was uh, I hired a business coach that was solid. They were expensive. I didn't really have the money. I was like, I'm just going to do it. And it totally changed the course of, of my life mm. because they showed me so much that I just did not understand that would have taken me years to figure out on my own. Mm. Yeah, or even just to add to that, like listening to podcasts like this one. If you're listening to this podcast, like well done, bravo, you're doing the work. You're trying to learn you're trying to improve you're growing and just to add what you said i feel like at the beginning maybe 20 minutes ago clarity was kind of the enemy and in 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 terms of like making up stories but in this context clarity it sounds like is a really powerful tool in terms of identifying what do you want like what makes you feel good what makes you feel not good and from a very simplistic standpoint, humans, we're biological creatures. We want more good, less bad, the end, right? Yeah. And so I think taking stock and identifying the things in your life that are expanding you and contracting you is a really simple way to begin. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I could break it down into four stages. So uh, this is a way that some of my teachers taught me a long time ago when I trained in Hawaii. So imagine like a, a wall clock. You start at, at 12, and there's four quadrants, 12 to 3, 3 to 6, 6 to 9, 9 to 12. Break the clock down into four quadrants. And, and if you're listening and, and you've never actually seen a real clock, you're just used to the, the digital <laughs> eye, numbers. Yeah, I watch. Yeah, there used to be a thing called hands-on clocks. <laughs> That's right. right. So, so in our first phase, it's just survival. The only thing we're worrying about is making enough money, having food and shelter. We're not worrying about growth progress just survival once you're able to get out of survival then people enter a stage of they start looking around the world and really 
gathering information. This is where you'll find a lot of spiritual shoppers. They listen to every podcast. They go to every guru. They read every book. But they don't really do any of the work. They're, they just they intellectualize it. They talk about it. They sit at cafes and, and BS mm. about it. And what if everything's an illusion? Blah, blah, blah. I want another turmeric latte, <laughs> which is fun. I, we all do that. Uh, but they're more like just gathering information. Mm. then after we gather a bunch of information we start sorting through it like you know what i really don't like that teacher i really don't like that style i love this book i love this style this one i think is more the one that's going to work for me we start sorting through all the information we've gathered and then we enter a stage of really integrating it and living it all right i've chosen a path i've chosen a teacher i've chosen a meditation practice and i'm doing the actual work now our egos don't like to believe that we're not in the fourth stage at any given moment of our lives. That's like, not me. Those are people I know, (laughs) not me. It's like how nobody's a bad driver, right? Exactly. Everybody else is a bad driver. (laughs) So the interesting part is in your career, you might be on stage four. Uh, and, and again, you can move one day to another. You're not always at one stage for any given time. It can even be in a day. But generally speaking, you kind of do move into a stage for longer periods of time. So you might be in stage four at work, but you might be in stage one or two in your relationships. You might be in stage three in your spirituality, and you might be in stage four when it comes to your finances. And so don't let the ego get your the best of you by thinking because you're so good at one thing. Obviously, you must be at all the other things. Mm. So you have to be honest. Where am I really at here? So if somebody comes to me like, David, I want to manifest my soulmate. One of the things I want to know is like, what stage are they really at? If they just went through massive heartbreak, they're in survival. Like they need to chill and rebuild themselves. And when they're done doing that now, what kind of partner do you want? Let's start to look around the world. What are the qualities, the values, you know, what's the, do you want to, you know, travel the world with somebody or do you want to have a nest and never leave the house again and have 10 kids? So gathering information about what they want and then sorting through. When you go on a dating app, go on dates, meet people, <laughs> sort through mm-hmm. the people and then really start going deeper into it. So, so whatever it is that you're working on, you're, you have to know what stage you're in. And then it's much easier to go from there. I've had people take my entrepreneurship course and a month in say, I'm not ready to build a business at all. I'm, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> all the shit you're talking about, I'm out. It's such a powerful insight to have after a month instead of after a year or a decade, right? Like, That's actually, right. I don't even want this. That's, That's right. okay. Um, okay, so it was surviving kind of data collection. Yeah, exactly. Gathering. Then yes. sorting through all that information, choosing what yes. resonates, and then the fourth stage is actually trying to integrate and embody the information. And live it, absolutely. So if you're building a business right now, you might be in that fourth stage. And now you could swing back into the others and gather more information, of course, but there's probably a center of gravity that you are, feel comfortable in that you're like, yeah, I'm really over here at the moment. Yeah. We have to be honest about that. I just got this visual of like imposter syndrome as perhaps being midnight where you're actually, (laughs) you know, like you're actually living and embodying it, but you're convinced that part of you is actually just drowning and surviving. (laughs) Yeah. And maybe it's survival's last gasp where (laughs) 
it's like you're really going to take a big step and it's trying to knock you off your horse right mm. before you do. And often that'll happen. I remember when I was living in Hawaii, I was working at this intuitive training school. I spent seven years there. And somebody said some really mean shit about me, like real, like <laughs> completely untruthful. It was out of left field. It was intense. Like, and then the cops pulled me over and it was like quite a day. And I told a teacher of mine who like a visiting teacher, actually it was, it was uh, Cody, my co-host of my podcast. And I told him, I was like, well, all this crazy shit happened. Like, I don't know what that was all about. And he goes, Oh, you're about to take a huge step uh, in becoming a director of this school. And, and so big wave energy came through and I was like, no, I'm not, no, I'm not going to be the director of this school. And I don't know what you're talking about. And a few weeks later, yeah, they asked me to be the director of the school, which was like a huge career step, a huge personal mm. step, all of that jazz. And it was like just one big wave energy just came through to try to knock me off my horse. And I was like, Whoa. And so if Usually, one of my teachers that I love, uh, Adyashanti, he says, when you feel like you're the furthest away is usually when you're the closest. Mm. And so we get caught up in some invalidation, like, well, I'm having a really shitty day. I've made no progress in the last decade. Who is I kidding? I'm terrible. Life sucks. That means you're in a, in a really important moment. That's a good mm. place to be. That means some energy is really ready to shift. And now is the moment you're going to decide, am I going to sit down and really work this? Or am I just going to let this moment pass and try and not suffer? And that's the difference, I think, between high performers and people who end up successful, inner or outer success, and the don't. They, they realize that one thing and they know, they know what to do with it. And so just to reiterate, what's the one thing and what do they do with it? The one thing is recognizing when I feel like I'm the furthest away is when I'm actually the closest. So whether that's full of invalidation or pain or imposter syndrome, that's where the gold is. Just like the image that turns into the doorway to our next step, the successful people are the ones that can really own that and know what to do with it and turn that chunk of pain into a stone that they place on their life path every single successful spiritual teacher or public speaker you know motivational speaker you've ever listened to or billionaire they all have the same i was broke you know i lost everything i was abused a tsunami came through you know and somehow i built myself back up mm. they're the ones who use that opportunity to their benefit and and it makes them a deeper, stronger person for it. And then, and then hopefully they have compassion from their experiences to help others. Mm. Yeah, and it's, it's all a test, right? And how naive we are to think that it's just smooth sailing from the day we decide to <laughs> launch a business or have a relationship until the end of time. Like, and then these things happen, this big wave energy, as you, as you said, and we we're occasionally like shocked. What, like, what do you mean life just threw me a left hook from out of nowhere and yeah. didn't meet my expectations? I was doing so good 10 minutes ago. Yeah, what the <laughs> hell? It, or, or also, this is a common one I hear. Uh, it's not supposed to be like this. You know? Right. It's, this isn't how it's supposed to be. So just one more tool, meditation tool. I was working with someone recently and I said, I want you to look at just zero to a hundred percent. 
how much are you trying to control the outcome of this situation? And they were like, fuck, <laughs> 110, the, the gauge is broken, Yeah, 110%. It's like, cool, so let's, let's look at that. Why, let's, look, let's be honest and let's look closely at why you need to control every situation. Mm. And underneath that, there's a lot to work with. Or somebody's like, I'm like, how invalidated do you normally feel on it during the day? They're like, 80% of me. I'm like, cool. Well, we got we got to look at that, and that's where our answers are. I I find that most people the the way I like to the way I see it is you know how there's this background radiation in the universe. It's like those old TV sets. It's just black and white. That's the yeah. background radiation of the universe, and that's how we we know how old the universe is and it's spread across the entire universe, that background radiation. There's almost this background radiation of invalidation. That's kind of subtle for most people. The Buddha might call it unsatisfactoriness, like the first noble truth. Uh, There's some kind of filmy, invalidating unsatisfactoriness that permeates this experience, this human experience where we're almost always like this in some form, this isn't good enough yet. This isn't good enough yet. And for some people it becomes very acute and like, it's this, it's that person, it's this situation. And for a lot of people, it's just this vague background feeling of I'm not there yet. It's not good enough. And we have to really look at that. Honestly, we can't ignore it. We can't just try to rise above it with positivity and hope it goes away because it's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the uh, the spiritual bypassing that is so pervasive in the personal sure. development space, right? Of like, oh, my whole life is falling apart and everything's burning down around me, but you know, chin up, it'll be fine. Yeah, it's yeah. all good. No, it's all just it's all an illusion. <laughs> just, just smile more. You don't need to actually feel anything. That's right. Yeah. And so, yeah, that doesn't work when, for me, when somebody's working with me, I won't have that. Yeah. It's like, really? Um, But you did, you just mentioned something that I would like to explore a bit more, which was this idea of trying to seize control of the universe or to control the outcomes or the expectations. Um, I'm interested in your thoughts on that. And I recognize it's a pretty wide topic, but any advice on that or why do we do that? So if somebody's, if you're going, I'm, I, I look at that gauge and I am trying to control the outcome of everything. Mm, yeah. I would say you're probably trying to control the outcome of certain things more than other things. And you might not, ju- you might not realize it. And those are based on your values. So trying to control the outcome of your, of your income maybe, or your relationship, like that one is the one that really gets you. Like mm. you can't stand things over here not working out the way that you think that they should so we we do want to kind of zone in on where that energy is kind of moving where that river is really flowing towards and uncover what's going on underneath that so and so we can be very particular about that and then in a broader sense we experience this background radiation of unsatisfactoriness and we for a moment we just have to sit with it and own it and let it show us what it wants to show us. And paradoxically, underneath that is this sense that everything is actually okay. Mm. It's odd 
the universe is an odd place. And that's why I think <laughs> where we started this podcast with humor, it's like when you start to get something, you laugh, you're like, what the fuck? How is this yeah. what it's about, all about? Why would you make me go through all that pain to realize everything is okay? Mm-hmm. And I can't answer that. I don't know why that's the way it's life is set up that somehow we have to go through all this suffering and pain to then realize everything is okay. I mean, ask the Buddha, right? Mm-hmm. He went out and suffered tremendously for a year, six years in the forest and starved himself and ate one grain of rice, apparently, right? He, all of that to find out everything is fine and okay. And that's not necessary. Yeah. Um, and as Eckhart Tolle would say, suffering is necessary until we realize it's not necessary. I don't know why, Jeremy, it's set up that way. I'm, you know, God help. Um, it's the grand <laughs> paradox, right? And, and as you touched on, the, the universe is so weird. And one aspect of that that I continue to harp on about when I'm a guest on podcasts in particular is this idea that we live on a sphere and half of the planet is upside down all the time. And (laughs) we don't talk about that. But like half of the world is literally upside down, but doesn't realize it. It's crazy to me. And we try to to just assume that like life makes sense. You're like, do you understand that we're on a sphere right now? Flying (laughs) around a fireball? (laughs) And we don't actually know where we are. Like there's yeah. no sense of yeah. where we are because we don't know where everything is. And yeah. It's a trippy thing to think about. And, mm. and so for me, I, for, for me, like uh, I'm a space nerd. Like I spend my days watching Star Trek and NASA videos. And I'm just I'm <laughs> such a, I got three NASA space shirts for the holidays t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I have one that says I need my space with stars. Anyway, total dork about all that. And it, it drives me crazy that I just can't go everywhere I want to go. It, it, it really bothers me that I'm kind of stuck on one planet. But in meditation, with our eyes closed in an energetic way, we can go anywhere we want to go. We can look into the energy of any star system. We can explore any soul that's ever walked the earth. It's, there is this place of almost an internet of the mind of energy that we, can, we do have access to and we can tap into if we just learn how. And it's incredibly freeing and it opens up so many dimensions of life. Just as an example, I was once building a course. I was once building a meditation course and I got really stuck on something. And I was like, well, let me just ask the Buddha what he would say about this. <laughs> so I just closed my eyes and let's ask him. Just Skype him real quick in my yeah, mind. Exactly. Or uh, another example, I was working one-on-one doing some healing work with this guy I had never met. We were just like this, on the f- just on the phone actually. And uh, we just got, we got going. I was like, are you super into science? He's like, yeah. I was like, I have this wild image of you traveling back in time to like talk to tesla or something and he goes well actually it's not tesla it's einstein and i finished his unified field theory and i published it in the library of congress and i was like oh shit (laughs) he's like and i do in my meditations go back and talk to einstein and he helped me finish it now whether it's true or he got (laughs) it right i have no no idea but i I thought that that was so fascinating that we were connecting in that way. And that's, that was his style of scientific discovery. Mm. It is an interesting thought experiment to just imagine or visualize that 
you have somebody on your shoulder or in your pocket. Um, and I've used this with clients and I imagine yeah. you've received messages from your own clients that they'll hear your voice when they're making decisions or going about their day-to-day experience, right? And that idea of, uh, you know, what would Einstein do right now or Beyonce or if I really loved myself, if I was really as brave as possible, how would I show up? What would I say? What would I do right now is supremely powerful. Yeah. Or what a teacher did with me once was, let's ask your future enlightened self. I was like, holy (laughs) shit, are you serious? I could, yeah. She's like, yeah, why not? Yeah. And it was incredibly insightful. Now, there is a very fine line between illusion and crazy and actually doing this work in a grounded way. And I think that's where a lot of people get turned off by spirituality and turned off by the woo-woo and the energy side of stuff because there is this wishy-washy, every message I get is right or every feeling I have is what I should do next with my life. And, mm. you know, and you'll see this very ungrounded kind of spirituality. And um, there's no simple answer to that. But I would say if you look at people who tend to be very rational and scientific, and I went and got a degree in philosophy, and I would put my, a lot of my professors in this camp, they tend to be, not always, but tend to be in their heads and disconnected from their emotions. And like the science guy I was telling you about, the next question I asked him after the Einstein thing was, I was like, are you single? And he was like, yeah. I was like, you got a really hard time finding a partner, don't you? And he's like, very hard time. So in the way that people who are very rational and intellectual can be a little bit disconnected from their emotional bodies, uh, in, in the same way, very spiritual people tend to be and can be very disconnected from their rational or grounded selves. Mm. And it's just the nature of the movement, I guess, into one direction or the other, because we can't put all our energy in one in every place at the same time. And so we look up into the stars and into the ethers and into other dimensions, and we lose our physical grounding. It's a natural part of spiritual growth. Uh, and then we have to refine it and truly integrate the spiritual into the physical, which is why I love teaching entrepreneurship to people in spirituality, because it's the hardest thing for them. Like, But I don't care about money, bro. It doesn't matter. And I'm like, okay, but you can't pay your rent next month. And it would be good to pay that. Mm. And, and, and so the challenge for the intellectual might be to connect more with their emotions. Mm. And the challenge for the spiritual might be to ground themselves more and to be more practical. And so we all have to be honest with those parts of ourselves. And if we can truly find a balanced place in our spirituality and be healthy about it, I think that's where we find our happiness. Mm. A bit of a tangent, but I'm curious if, do you believe that growth requires discomfort? Like, do you believe that spiritual evolution requires some element of getting outside your comfort zone? I'd have to think about that. It's a good question. Definitely at certain stages, uh, it seems unavoidable. I mean, just the human species as a whole, we've gone through an incredible discomfort Mm. (laughs) coming out of caves and climbing down from trees and building societies and killing each other and disease. And so, I mean, clearly there has been enormous discomfort. Is there ever a stage where you can grow without any discomfort? I don't know. Maybe. I think everything, there's some space for everything in the and so, yeah, probably at some point there might be certain kinds of growth that don't involve discomfort, sure. Yeah. Maybe they more curiosity, awe, exploration. Mm. 
Yeah, it's just, it's been an idea I've been playing around with for a few months now. And I don't necessarily have a full answer, but I feel like growth requires an element of uncertainty and an element of stepping into the unknown or at least believing new things. And perhaps that that newness, because it is an unknown, uncertain thing, we kind of perceive subconsciously scary or uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, kind of in the way that like a baby giraffe is learning to walk, right? And it's just this <laughs> wet, like, you yeah. know, it's stumbling, bumbling thing that feels uncomfortable. But at the same time, realizing, no, your first steps, like you're doing it right. That's exactly how it should feel. Yeah. And I think you want a certain amount of edge, just the right amount of edge. So I'm taking piano lessons right now. It's really hard for me because I'm not f- a five-year-old prodigy. And I'm like, where do you put your <laughs> fucking fingers? Oh. <laughs> and, uh, and so my teacher takes me to this edge where I am uncomfortable, but where I could stay with it. And if he takes me past that edge, I can't do anything. And if it's too slow, I'm bored. So I think in any kind of growth, there is this like just the right amount of edge that you need to, yeah. to get away from your old self. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, that, uh, that idea of flow, right? Um, there's that great book. And so if it's, if it's too easy, then we don't feel challenged. We lose interest. It's boring. Mm-hmm. But if it's too hard, uh, it feels too challenging. We lose interest because it's impossible. It's not fun, right? And so finding that kind of Goldilocks just right. Like, oh, this is just outside my comfort zone, but I feel like I could figure this out. Like that to right. me is the sweet spot. And as as a teacher or a host or a guide of some kind, same with your students or audience, which is, I want to take you from where you are to over here, but mm-hmm. I can't, we can't overshoot either. So it's a, it's an art of being able to know what that is. And for one person, if you're a coach or for a million, if you're a guide and a teacher of like, where can I take everyone this next step that looks healthy? That's not too far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and, and realizing that your edge is totally okay, whatever it is. Like your edge might be getting fit means walk around the block versus somebody else's edge is like do an Ironman. Uh, right. And I think sometimes we can get stuck in those spirals of comparison and judgment. Yeah. Big, big time. And then also which edge is important. So just because there's an edge somewhere doesn't mean it's an important one for you. Like I played ice hockey my whole life and then I didn't play for some years and I went back. I was like, oh, my slap shot's not as good anymore. And, <laughs> uh, man, I was like, I could see all these places I could improve. Like if I just spent two, three, four hours a day. And I was like, I finished, I graduated college. I'm done with competitive <laughs> ice hockey. I was like, this is an edge I could push and get better, but I mm. just don't need to at the moment or have that desire. Mm. So we want to choose. We, we want to choose the directions that we want to grow in. What's, uh, in addition to the piano playing, what's something personally or professionally that feels like an edge for you? Uh, comedy. So just doing straight up stand-up comedy on stage uh, right. is one that I'm working on right now. And another is writing a book. So I'm working on writing a book. And mm. that's for sure an edge of how concentrated can I be? And also, of can I really can I really kind of take everybody else's agendas for me off my plate and really go, this is the most important thing. And that is 
has been incredibly difficult because there's so much to like quote unquote do um, clients and podcasts and travel and teaching and as you know it's just the world will set the agenda for you every day if you let it you, your email inbox will set your agenda your bank account will set your agenda some douchey person with their negativity who walks past you or comments on some post online everyone will set the agenda for you and so one of my great challenges has been can I really really focus and set my own agenda and uh and i think that that's one of the edges that i've been working with even if people are throwing opportunity at me can i just say mm -hmm. no and focus on the one thing or i've heard tim ferris say this the one domino that's going to knock over all the other mm -hmm. dominoes mm -hmm. and oftentimes the the hardest distractions are disguised as opportunities Sure. Right. Or yeah. invitations or it's, it's yeah. not necessarily scrolling Instagram or you know, fitness or whatever. It's like, oh, hey, do you want to come and speak at this thing with all these amazing humans? You're like, oh, no, I committed to doing this hard thing that I don't want to do right now. <laughs> That's right. I think there's a time and a place to say yes to almost everything in a career field. Like you're just like learning, gathering information, learning, learning. And then there's a time to start to go, okay, I've, I've honed my craft enough. I, I really know what I'm going for here and I need to put everything else down so I can give the world something of value that can really help or change people or heal or whatever it is that your, your goal is. And so I think it's very important to make a very clear list of your values in life and then start creating from the top down. Mm. And then what's, uh, like, how do you decide what project to work on? So for example, that book is, is a big, meaty, scary project. Like, how do you get to the stage where you choose to say no to a bunch of things and get called and answer that call to, to do that thing? Well, so for me, it's, it came in meditation, just meditating on it for many hours. What do I really want to do next? What's going to serve my audience? Um, mm. So it, it just kind of grew out of a natural progression of, of my career. Mm. Like a yeah. feeling. It was more than a feeling than a, than a rational bottom line business decision. Sure. I mean, I could probably make money in 10 different directions, but it was more of a yeah, this is just a feeling of what is appropriate for, for my mm. path right now. And um, it's funny because there's, I was, I won't say who it was, but I had dinner one time with this celebrity person and like very, very big celebrity person. And I remember them telling me, don't let the numbers guys get you. Don't let the people who just crunch numbers and say, I can make a dollar off of David get mm. you. And I was like, oh, okay. He's like, what they do is they pull the, the mango off the tree too soon. It's, it's not ripe yet because they see potential. I was like, wow, that's a fascinating story. And the next day or like two days later, some, some publishing company reached out to me and said, based on our AI number crunch that we've done, you're the author and this is the title of the book and we'll give you an advance. And uh, I was like, oh, what an amazing opportunity. And then I thought about what that guy told me. I was like, huh, they only want me based on my numbers. 
<laughs> and so I, I went down the rabbit hole a little with them to like discover what they were up to. And then I very clearly got a like, this is a no, this is not the right direction. And then the moment I said no to them, literally the next day, something other, something else in that space opened up that was like 10x of a better opportunity. Mm. And it was just so cool how it all unfolded for me. Mm. Um, and, you know, continuing to, so I think we all, have to say yes and no again and again at the right moments based on our intuition and on the values that we're creating out of. And that's not so easy to do all the time. Mm. And it requires courage and it requires faith and trust and independence and all of those things. And I failed at all of those things (laughs) so many times. That's how you get better, right? It's like that's that's that old parable of uh, like, how do you make such good mistakes? good choices like oh by um making bad choices like yeah or making great mistakes <laughs> yeah um, yeah precisely man all right brother i am conscious of your time and energy i know that you've got a sure. book to go right uh <laughs> any uh final thoughts words of wisdom uh where can people find you sure um well, if you, you can find me at davidgandelman.com and uh you can find my, my work on Insight Timer, probably the best two places. The meditation app just put me in there. Mm. Um, and then in terms of words of wisdom, I think there's a Beatles song that has those words in it. <laughs> let it be. Let me, let, me try, yeah, let me try to leave you guys with something a little unique, and it can come from that song. I believe it was that song. Paul McCartney woke up in the middle of the night with that playing in his head and he turned to his wife and told her and he said, Oh, I'm just going to go back to sleep. She goes, no, no, write it down, Paul, write it down. And it turned into, I believe it was, let it be. Yeah. Speaking uh, words of wisdom, let it be. Yeah. yeah. And it came out of a dream. And I, you know, I did years of intuitive training and work and, and continue to. And what I found is life is trying to speak to us through our dreams through what seem like random thoughts, random feelings that come up, um, you know, chance meetings with people. And we normally delete those out of our mind or we ignore them. And what I would say is create a structure around those experiences so they can happen more and more often. And the more you pay attention to them and nurture them, the more they will show up and the more they're going to guide your life. And so most people make decisions out of one of two places. They just say, oh, I feel like I should do this. I feel like I should do that. Or they get into an intellectual space and they weigh the pros and cons. And the deepest answers of our lives don't live in either of those two places. They're somewhere deeper. And when we start to really connect with our intuitive abilities and open up to life and let it start to show us, um, I think that's when we really can get a sense that, oh, I'm on my path this starts to make sense a little bit more. And just one of those moments can change your life. And so start to learn how to listen. Mm. And if someone says, well, I don't know how to listen, that's why we meditate. Meditation is a training in learning how to listen to the subtle. Mm. Well said, man. That was good. Thank you. Thanks, Jeremy. Brother, I've just, uh, this has been great to jump on a call and have had not a tremendous amount of knowledge about you to then hear your wisdom and profundity man it's been really Thanks, good Jeremy. and really powerful and uh, i'm i'm glad you're here i'm glad you're doing what you're doing 
Thanks, buddy. And uh, let's hang in LA when you return from your beautiful travels to Costa Rica. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I'll be back into Feb and I want to get out to the Zen Den, see you and Hillary. Yes, come, come to the den and, and come sit. Love to have you, my friend. Yeah, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jeremy. Thanks, right. everyone, for listening. Mm. Is he not just like a living, breathing Yoda kind of dude? So soothing, so much knowledge. I love the way that he describes all the things. David is just one of the my new heroes. So deep. Uh, I look forward to sitting with him in L.A., if you are on Insight Timer, if you need some help getting to sleep, I would encourage you to check out his meditations. You can check out his website. I've included all of this in the show notes. And if there's someone in your life that you want to pass this along to, please do. If you feel like being generous and taking four seconds to leave a five-star review on the internet, it's very helpful for me. It helps me spread the positivity, spread the impact, and attract guests. So that is always appreciated. Share it on the Instagram, tag me. I love seeing the impact that this episode and this podcast is having in your life. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being you, for being here, for supporting, for listening. And I love you. I just think you're great. Keep smiling. Keep doing your thing. 